The Devil Pulls the Strings by J.W. Zarek Narrated by Kurt Bonham Chapter 10 Play Me Paganini Inside the Kimmel Center, Sapphire's steps are serious and urgent, her face fierce and determined, the air heavy and tight. My mind spins with the knowledge we escaped once, now twice from those guys with guns. I can catch my breath in this safe place, I hope. I follow her down an endless hall until she stops. A sign posted outside a double door reads, Competitors Only. Is this still the NYU's campus? I ask. The Gimmel Center is in the art of the compass. She bites out the words. Flynn was stressed the same way before his competition, too. We'll make it to class, right? I stare at the sign. So, this where you're competing? This is the dressing room? I have to change. Can you wait? I'll be right back. She slips through the door. Along the hallway's white brick wall, individuals and couples gather in cozy conversations, swagger smiles, sharp black tuxedos, and splendid evening dresses. I find an empty spot, lean back, cross my arms, tap my foot on the thick carpet. No side glances at my jeans or t-shirt. Every other minute, I look up and down the hall for the guys with guns. I guess we lost them, or they're not music lovers. People waiting have come and gone. I shift my position periodically, changing my leaning shoulder, the weight of my back against the wall. Sapphire said she'd be right back, but it's been a while. I could have graduated from college two or three times already. The scent of honeysuckle wafts through the air. So, what do you think? Sapphire's voice beams over my shoulder. I turn. Tom Petty sings in my head. Free fallen. A stunning red satin shoulders bare cocktail dress covers Sapphire's curves perfectly. Else to Boone, how do I look? She slow spins with one palm up. It's a Dolce and Gabbana. She scans my face with a fierce intensity. An obsessive musician stare. That familiar artist attic stare. A stare that states, I'm ready for my next musical high. To absorb, to breathe in, to consume every note. To learn, to fidget, to fiddle, to fixate, to play. To sail with every nuance written in the bars. Yeah, it was that kind of a stare. The same stare on my face when I see the perfect sandwich and know it's mine. Wow, your dress has a name? I tug at my t-shirt collar. Did they crank up the heat in this place? My palms are sweating. I run my hands down the side of my jeans. You in that red dress. Gorgeous. My gaze finds every accentuated curve playing hide-and-seek in the folds of the fabric. Double wow. Words don't do your outfit justice wow. It's prettier than any tricked-out Schecter Hellraiser Extreme 4 bass guitar. I don't know about guitars, but I'll take that as a compliment. She shakes her head. Come on, we might catch the end of Professor Wakambi's 30-minute lecture on Paganini. 
and then the competition starts. We follow the carpeted hallway another hundred feet, and then Sapphire stops at two massive wooden doors. In here is the auditorium. I glance at the class's title on the placard on the wall. MPATC-UE-1068 Music History II Final and Violin Competition. We enter, and the tension and apprehension I'm feeling evaporates. The hushed tones, soft lighting, and warm temperature feel safe. Safe like Aunt Vivian's hugs, or her ratty hand-me-down family quilt wrapped around me when I'm getting over a cold kind of safe. The audience is engrossed in the lecture, so no one takes notice of us finding seats. The main screen down front flashes and displays, Who was the first rock star? My gaze is drawn to the man speaking on the stage. His presence captivates like he's some kind of rock star himself. An academic rock star. And he owns the stage. Sapphire finds us seats at the back. That's Professor Wickamby. Professor Wickamby has a slight accent, a hint of Italian. He's a mix between that guy who plays a charming, lovable, drunk pirate and that other guy who plays that intense psycho businessman slash serial killer. I can't remember the actors or the names of their movies. I glance around. College isn't anything like I imagined. Everyone in this packed auditorium wears evening outfits I've only seen on TV or in magazines. I feel naked in my t-shirt and jeans. It makes me believe I have a better chance of finding Neverland than money to pay for my fantasy of going to college. Professor Wickamby's comparison and contrast of Niccolo Paganini with Franz Liszt is fascinating. Wickamby's raw passion and conviction resonate with the reverent tone of his voice. He goes on talking about their many contributions, adventures, and troubles, as if he were there with them at the time. I almost forget why I'm here. This competition is open to the general public, Professor Wickamby announces, to allow anyone to sit and watch our most talented violinists in colleges and universities today. So, before we conclude with the final round of NYU's So You Think You Can Play Paganini competition, does anyone from the audience have any questions about this competition, its competitors, or Paganini? Professor Wickamby answers the most outrageous myths about Paganini. Is it true Paganini sold his soul to the devil? No. Did his mother? Of course not. Was he the son of the devil? No. Did he murder a woman and trap her essence in his violin? No true artist would do that with their instrument. Did he string his violin with their intestines? No. Was his condition because of a curse? Afflictions and conditions are what they are, Wickamby says. Experts could never determine from Paganini's physical features if he inherited Ehlers-Danlos or Marfan syndrome. Either way, his biochemical makeup most likely did influence his creativity. Was Paganini's diary bound in human skin? There was never any evidence of anthropodynamic bibliopathy with any of Paganini's books. Is it true if you play Paganini's violin you can summon the devil? Wakambi shakes his head. Paganini was theatrical, took advantage of his condition and attributes. 
He always dressed in black, walking stiff and mechanical, moving oddly on the stage. Such melodramatics are what everyone was infatuated with. Wakambi leans forward. But sometimes those theatrics and misplaced connections to the devil came at a terrible price. Paganini, ill at the end of his life, thought he was recovering, so refused final sacrament. A week later he died from internal hemorrhaging before a priest could be summoned. Because of his widely rumored association with the devil, it took four years to persuade the Pope and another 32 years before his body was at last buried in 1876 in a cemetery in Parma. Wakambi inhales, deep and audible. He exhales, slow, long, loud. <sighs> this is a good time to wrap up. So, if there are no more questions, we'll conclude tonight's lecture and take a brief break before commencing with the final round of the competition. The lights come up. I shift in my seat and face Sapphire. You were smart to suggest we hide out in your class. I don't see how the man in the olive suit or his men could follow us here. I feel safe, at least for now. Wakambi directs two students to move his lecture board off stage and come back with violins and bows on a trolley stand. Sapphire's reading typed pages and scanning music. The auditorium lights flash on and off. Wakambi walks to center stage. Tonight culminates this year's competition. The remaining four participants are vying for the chance to play a rare Paganini musical composition not aired for over a century at this year's annual Dragons on Nymphs Society Charity Ball. The piece will be played at midnight following a showcase concert by this year's best Renfair band, the Village Idiots. The Dragons and Nymph Society sponsored the competition Flynn's band won. We give thanks to the Stradivari Society out of Chicago, Illinois for lending NYU the 12 instruments you see behind me. Wakambi gestures to the violins on stage. So, in no particular order, I shall call each participant one by one to play Paganini's 24 Caprices. He picks up one of the violins from the stand. Competitors, be aware broken strings might happen, as they did with Paganini. I glance at Sapphire. Jumbled heat and nervous energy emanates from her. She's focused on Wakambi. This man's a genius. Welcome the first participant, Nicholas Wolfe, Wakambi says. Nicholas rises from his seat in front. Angry colors float in front of me, darker than usual, and the taste of sulfur fills my mouth. Nicholas draped in a dapper tuxedo, arrogant air, bow in hand. He swaggers onto the stage. His face wears a this-is-my-moment smirk. He nods to the audience. I attempt to rub away stinging moisture forming around my eyes. I cough. <coughs> that was weird. I usually hear music before a vision hits me. I applaud along with the rest of us seated. Will he float away if he puffs his chest out any bigger? Nicholas's ego is huge, Sapphire whispers. But he knows he's the most gifted musician in the competition with the best chance to win. Nicholas walks over to the stand of violins, looks them over. 
His calm face breaks into a cynical half-smile. He touches the first instrument, then the second, then stops and picks up the third instrument. Nicholas selected the Eastman VL-928 Raoul Emiliani for full violin. Sapphire's voice seems flavored with a hint of enamored obsession. Such a gorgeous violin, crafted from outstanding tonewoods. Meticulously tuned plates and bass bowels contribute to its superb, rich, plush, powerful tone. Strings Magazine even wrote about this violin's beautiful, delicate sounds. From a warm-sounding E-string to a lively, throaty tone on the G. Such a gorgeous violin. Nicholas shuts his eyes, rests the violin under his chin. The audience goes quiet. And I see why Sapphire might fall for his smirk and swagger. He plays the violin like Flynn plays the guitar, exuding a raw, crazy, erotically charged masculine intensity guys and girls dig. Vibrant colors swirl around my head as he plays. The pungent sulfur smell hits the back of my throat and forces me to swallow hard. Two minutes into the piece, a string breaks. Nicholas's bravado falls away. He falters, freezes. Sapphire groans. Recover, Nicholas, recover. But he doesn't. He hands the violin to Wakambi and storms off the stage. The next two violinists fare no better, both breaking strings and faltering and freezing. At least when they played, the mist of colors was light and there wasn't a hint of a taste of sulfur. Wow. We can't be said this could happen, I whisper. Why didn't they recover? Sapphire is already standing. Next, our final performer. Please welcome Miss Sapphire Anjou. Professor Wakambi grins. His teeth flash white against his olive skin. Sapphire smiles and walks to the stage. She examines the remaining violins and selects one. Ms. Anjoua selected the Caro des Guarneri, made from the same tree as the Il Canone Guarneris. Okambi's voice is almost crooning. Sapphire places the violin underneath her chin. She makes sure it's in tune, then faces the audience. She closes her eyes and launches into the piece with fierce passion. Intense shades of Twisting, intertwining, pastel-colored shapes dance. Sweet sulfur fills the air. It's intoxicating, heady, not disturbing. And just as she goes past two minutes into the song, her top string breaks, just like Nicholas and the other two competitors. The audience leans in the deafening pause. Recover, recover, I whisper through my tight lips. Unlike those who faltered before her, Sapphire doesn't appear discouraged. She's glowing and continues to play the remaining three strings with even more profound intensity. The tone is rich, sublime. I've never had a string break on my guitar. I can't imagine it happening during a live performance. Then, another string snaps. But Sapphire continues. And another string snaps and she finishes the final note of the piece on the single remaining string. The audience stands, clapping and shouting, Bravo! 
Wakambi beams a proud smile. Learning Paganini's 24 caprices is no easy task. Only if you're serious, dedicated, focused, and with hard work, it shall only take 12 years to reach the technical level required to play this piece. He walks to the center of the stage beside Sapphire. Paganini was always prepared to perform on and off stage. Unlike Mizanju, you should be prepared because anything can happen, including having your E, A, and D strings break during your performance, leaving you with one G string. Just like Paganini often did. He took Sapphire's hand. Oh, but how could anyone carry on playing after such a travesty, you ask? We all witnessed such a feat here tonight. He smiled a wide, gracious grin, first at Sapphire and then the audience. I announce Sapphire Anjou as the winner of this year's competition. She has earned the right to play this Saturday at midnight in Central Park. Coming up next in The Devil Pulls the Strings by J.W. Zarek. Chapter 11 Professor Wickamby.